you now to find your Bible. I know you brought it with you or your uh, device that you're going to look at the Word of God from today. Now open it to Psalms chapter 1. Psalms chapter 1. We're going to be talking about the man of God. Psalms 1 is uh, uh, the first of 150 Psalms, as you well know. Uh, It begins this book of, uh, of, of wisdom literature And really, I think it kind of serves as introduction, not only to these 150 psalms that follow it, but really in these few verses, we see a snapshot of the entire Bible because it tells us that uh, people are making decisions. Their, 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 Their decisions are leading them to a destination by the choices they make, how true it is. And then Psalms 1 also tells of the prosperity available to those who will walk in uprightness and truth, who stay on the straight and narrow path, who walk with God. And uh, it reminds us in these last verses of chapter 1, those who reject God's will and way will soon perish. They'll be like the chaff of the wind, chaff driven by the wind. And so we find Jesus kind of reiterating that same truth in the Sermon on the Mount In Matthew 7, when he said, enter in at the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, broad is the way that leads to destruction. Many go that way, however, narrow is the gate. Difficult is the way that leads to life, and only a few will find it. And so while this is a sermon that is specifically for Father's Day, uh, it's not specifically gender, uh, it is gender neutral, I should say, because it's fitting for everyone, and I hope you ladies will uh, also realize as we look at this text that all of us are on a a road map that's uh, leading us to some destination by the decisions that we make and our actions are taking us somewhere in the pursuits of life and certainly today as we look at God's word I want to take you down a road to the pathway of blessedness. Isn't that the first word of this whole uh, Psalms? Blessed it says Blessed is the one. Blessed is the man. That word ashray in the Hebrew, it's uh, in the Septuagint, it's makarios. It's, uh, it's translated happy sometimes. It can be translated joy. Uh, but if you study a little uh, etymology of the word, you'll see it, it, it was related in the Greek language from the Isle of Makar, which was uh, an island that was totally independent of outside help. It was totally self-sufficient. It was unique in that, in that context. And since they were so self-sufficient, they, 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 they deemed it a happy place. It was a good place. It was a blessed place. And so when we're talking about being blessed, it means that we're in a good place. I think all of us would agree we want to get to a good place. We want to live our life in a good place. You know, I see sometimes on Facebook people are at a destination they prefer, and they say, I'm at my happy place. They're at their blessed place, and I think you know what I'm talking about. And I'm simply telling you today the life of blessedness of God is, is finding our place that God has for us. It's a blessed place. It's a place of contentment. Thou will show us the path of life, for in thy presence is the fullness of joy at thy right hand are pleasures evermore. All right, if you'll stand in honor of reading God's Word today, the preaching text, only going to look at three verses from Psalms chapter 1, and then we're going to unpack these truths together as we talk about how we can be blessed and how we can live a blessed life according to God's word. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the paths of sinners, 
nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season, whose leaf does not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Father, we thank you that you're the God of love, you're the God of light, and you're the God of life. Thank you that you've revealed yourself in the person of Jesus Christ who came as the light of the world. And I thank you for all the fathers that are here today. And we certainly celebrate the reality that you have chosen to to, to use us in our families. Help us to say with the psalmist that we will walk in integrity in our home. But I pray for this church unilaterally, men and women alike, youth and senior adults, meeting adults, we all would have a desire to walk in blessedness and happiness and joy, knowing that it comes from you. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Three quick things we're going to talk about here as we unpack this text of Scripture together. First, he's talking about the man of God is careful in the sense that he has guarded decisions. Verse 1 He says simply, the man who is blessed will show some personal restraint. Some personal restraint. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. In other words, he's going to guard where he walks, where he stands, and even where he sits down. Psalmist is not simply saying the man who is blessed does these specific things, but he is saying this. He refuses to do some things. There is some no's for him. This man has to be deliberate. He has to be intentional. He realizes his decisions have consequences. And the warning is this. Watch your steps. Watch where you walk. Watch where you stand. Watch where you sit down. Guard your heart. You know what it says in Proverbs 4.23? That we are to guard our heart, for out of our heart comes the issues of life. And so this first step of becoming a man of God to enjoy the life, the blessed life, is first to consider the counsel that we receive or the counsel that he receives, that you receive. He doesn't follow the advice of the wicked. Can I tell you, we live in a day and time when there is a lot of advice being given. There's a lot of voices out there. Some are good, others are not so good. We get a lot of bad advice, selfish advice, self-centered advice. And I, I think this is a phrase that we often hear, just, just do whatever makes you happy. But I can tell you, you better guard against just doing all that makes you happy because there's a lot of perverse delight in a lot of things that you don't need to be doing. So the decision becomes, am I just going to do something that makes me happy when I don't realize that this may not be the direction that God has for me? And we live in a day and time and live in a world that has lost its way morally. Sin is so prevalent, accepted now. If you stand against sin, people will despise you for it. In other words, we live in a culture that says it's sin for you to speak up against sin. Isn't that right? I think about the situation with Truett Cathy and, and Chick-fil-A. I, you know, he, he said, you know, here's my convictions. I stand for traditional marriage, that marriage is between a man and a woman. And all of a sudden, this backlash across our nation and this bitterness from the left, because here was a man, they, they were calling homophobic. All he said was, look, I believe in what 
the biblical uh, definition of marriage is between a man and a woman. God's Word says you better watch the advice you're following. Regardless of what the cultural norm may be in any given day and time, you better watch where you get your advice. I wonder where do you get your advice? Hopefully you're choosing to live your life by the principles and the precepts of the Word of God. But sometimes we have some personal questions about what to do in a, a certain situation. We need someone else to bounce it off of. We need someone to talk to. To help us with a decision that we're, we're pondering. I hope all of you men and, and you ladies as well have sa- uh, surrounded yourself with some people who have of like faith. I, I pray that you have godly advice that can be spoken into your life. And men, I pray that you've got close enough friends who are, are walking with the Lord who can call you out on a few things when you get out of line, when your behavior is inappropriate. And unprofitable for you. You know, the Bible says this, there is a safety in the multitude of counselors. But can I tell you, there's only safety if you're surrounding yourself with the kind of counsel that God himself would give. Proverbs 19 says, listen to advice. Accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. The man of God walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. So first, the counsel he receives. That's got to be a guarded decision we make. Secondly, he talks about here in the Psalms, uh, it's relative to the company that he keeps, the company that you keep. He doesn't take the path of sinners. He doesn't join in a group of mockers. So he says, look, you better watch your walk and you better watch your words. In other words, you better look where your path is taking you. You know, I mentioned this last Sunday. The most two critical things that can influence our life is specifically the books we read and the people we meet. And this text is speaking to that specifically about the people we interact with, but also in verse 2, the book that we read, the advice we take as we are to delight in the law of the Lord. So Jesus, of course, was a friend of sinners. And it doesn't mean that we should not have friends that that are sinners and, and, and are lost spiritually. But I'm simply telling you that if that's where you live your life independent of spending your the, the most amount of your time with God's people, it will be, as the Bible says, that bad company corrupts good morals. And the meaning of this verse is about your inner circle. Who do you consult with? Who do you seek out? Who do you trust? Who do you listen to? Who do you like to hang out with? Man, I don't know about you, but I need to be around people that make me better. I need to be around people that lift the bar a little bit in my life. And I know you do as well. And I think that's what God's Word is telling us here. But it's telling us as well, how about us being that kind of example? Let's be that kind of man. Let's be that kind of woman. Let's be the kind of person that that people can look up to and desire to emulate our life. Let's be that kind of example. We've got to watch who we run around with, and we've got to watch where we go. It's no secret, one of the most popular destinations in America is Las Vegas, Nevada. Do you realize 40 million people a year go to Vegas? 
They find going to Sin City has an attraction, I suppose. And I'm not saying that everybody goes there is getting in some kind of grievous sin, but the overwhelming majority is up to no good. <laughs> I mean, I'm, if the motto, if the hook for your city is, hey, what happens here stays here, it essentially is saying, look, it doesn't matter how you act here, we're not going to let anybody know about it. But I'll tell you what the Bible says, be sure your sins will find you out. You know, I don't know. I, I'm, not, I'm not telling you you can't go to Vegas. I'm, I'm a matter of fact, if you fly, make connections, you end up in Vegas more than you wish. I'll promise you. But I would just suggest a better destination would be Branson, Missouri. You know, these are polar opposites. <laughs> you can go to Branson, and not that you can't get in trouble in Branson, but there's a whole lot less temptation in Branson than there is in Vegas. I'm just saying, I'm trying to plug Branson here today. Sometimes we've got to distance ourselves from things that could and very well might take us down. I think about my own life. I shared with you as a 25-year-old, married with two kids, and, and working in a men's clothing store, which I worked at for 13 years. God changed my heart and life, set me on a new course. You know, I'd been playing poker with a bunch of guys for several years, and we played every week. And, and not that they were horrible men, but I didn't need to be hanging out there. Let's just put it that way. And, you know, the Lord had convicted me about a lot of things that needed to change in my life. And so I had to sit down with those guys and say, hey, look, I'm, I'm not coming anymore. You know, and I tried to communicate as best I could that, God had changed my heart and desire, and I was going a different direction. And, you know, I was expecting that they would say something like, oh, yeah, look at you, Mr. Holier-than-thou, or something. You know what they said, though? Sure, Steve. Sounds fine. You know, sometimes we're reluctant to, to really stand up for the Lord in a hard context. But I'm telling you, if we're ever going to make a difference for the Lord God, sometimes we just have to do that to make a stand. God's word says, come out from among them, be separate, says the Lord. So I'm just telling you, God's man has to guard his decisions. He listens to godly counsel. He distances himself from those who might be detrimental influencers in his life. And then he chooses the high road of faithfulness, and he guards his decision. Here's what it's saying. You've got to watch where you walk. You've got to watch where you stand. You've got to watch where you sit down. Let's move quickly, secondly. Not only... Are his decisions guarded? Secondly, he has a godly devotion, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. That's what it says in verse 2. So the psalmist moves now from the man who wants to be blessed, what he's not to do, and now he's putting a positive spin on it to say, here's what he is to do. You see, the Christian life is more than just how can you and I avoid sin and certainly that's an expectation. But there's some things that we better be doing as well. And we better be men and women of devotion. Pursuing good and godly things. Living our lives productively and passionately for God. So for this godly devotion, <clears throat> can I suggest to you it always starts with this. Listen, a desire. A desire. He says, my desire is simply this, is to hear from God. That's what he's saying. The law of the Lord. 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. 
It's the breath of God. Theonoustos, it's a great Greek word. It says God is breathing his word upon you. And since God is a perfect God and his breath is perfect, his inspiration is perfect, it'll be good in your life. It'll be profitable if you'll follow my word. And that's what he's saying here. When the Apostle Paul wrote Colossians 3, 5, he's speaking of living our lives for the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says we've got to be people of devotion He says, put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed. In other words, God's man must desire something different than the carnal man desires. We've got to be different. We've got to have a different delight. We've got to have a different desire. Galatians 5 says the sinful man, he desires evil things. Listen to this catalog of things. Sexual immorality, impure thoughts, eagerness for lust, sexual pleasure, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, divisions, envy, drunkenness, every other kind of sin. And he goes on to say, but that's not us. (laughs) That's not what we do because we have the Spirit of God living within us. And so now we have the fruit of the Spirit being exhibited in our life, and here's what it looks like, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, meekness, faithfulness, and self-control. So do you see the stark contrast? In 1 Peter 2 it says, listen, we've got to rid ourselves of malicious behavior and conceit and stop pretentiousness and hypocrisy, and then here's the word, and desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow up in your faith to the fullness of your salvation. You know, I'm afraid there's so many that's not really making any desire to to mature in your faith, to grow deeper in your walk with God. I'm afraid some of you are content just to be where you're at. But I'm telling you, God's calling you to to be better, to to not allow yourself to get spiritually indifferent or get a, a cold or hardened heart. But I'm telling you, it always begins when you have a change of heart, a change of mind. The Greek word for repentance, metanoia, in the Greek language means this. It means to have a change of mind which issues in regret and demonstrating a change of conduct. I'm telling you, to be different for God, you've got to think about things differently than you've been thinking about them. And let that mind then lead you to right thinking, godly thinking, that will set you on the right path. But it begins with desire. But it doesn't quit there here. He secondly talks about delight. My delight is this. It's in the law of the Lord. It's in the word of God. My Bible study is not a drudgery. It's not a burden. No, here's what I'm doing. I'm delighting in the principles and the truths that I've discovered. What did the psalmist say? He said, delight yourself in the Lord, and then he'll give you the desires of your heart. Remember Jeremiah the prophet? The weeping prophet of Anathoth, he would say this, Your word was found, and I did eat them. And they've become unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart, for I'm called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. God's man, God's woman, is not to be rejoicing in anything superficial or sensual, but in the surpassing relevance and the riches of God's word. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto unto thy word. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against God. So the Apostle Paul, imprisoned in Rome, about to be executed 
by Nero. Remember he called for his son in the faith, Timothy. He said, bring my coat. It's cold here. And then he said, bring my scrolls and bring the parchments. In other words, not only is there a coldness in this death cell, but I need to be nourished by the word of God. You know, the Bible tells us clearly, let's make it our delight. And when we do that, it will be our comfort in our time of need. Psalms 19, 7, hear it. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening our eyes. A desire. Secondly, a delight. And under C, it's moving us to decisions. He says, now I'm delighting in the law of the Lord. But now here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to meditate on it day and night. Do you think that took a conscious decision? Of course it did. I'm going to meditate on it day and night. Here's what that will keep you from living. A compartmentalized life. A Sunday-only kind of faith. Because God's man, God's woman, doesn't just study the scriptures and go away without consideration, without application of God's word. And I'm telling you today, you cannot do what you don't know to do. And how are you going to know it? You're going to take it and you're going to think about it. You're going to meditate on it. You're going to remunerate it. You're going to chew on it again as a cow chews its good. That's the word picture here. You're going to focus your thinking on God's word. You contemplate on it. Don't just wink at it in a passing by. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate on it day and night, that thou mayest prove to do according to all that is written therein, and then thou make thy way successful. That's what it says in Joshua 1a. Here's our problem. Our problem is we can't meditate because there's too much noise going on in our life. I get it. We all carry, we all carry cell phones. It's always giving us some information. Most doesn't amount to much. We all have the television going. We have a, a, a lot of you have kids or some of you keeping grandkids and, you know, you're busy. and It's hard to just set, a, set apart some time to, to think on God's Word. I, I just, Mary and I was talking about this this week about Susanna Wesley. You remember Susanna Wesley, John and Charles Wesley's uh, mother? But she had 19 kids. And, and, uh, but the story is that what she would do just to spend a little time with the Lord, you can imagine the chaos that would go on in that household. Something happened good. Uh, they, they said she would just put her apron up around her head to try to tune out all that's going on in her own home that she could meditate on these things. Probably a little easier for her because she was one of 25 kids herself. <laughs> we can find time, but it takes time. Today the call is for godly devotion. How do you do it? Guarded decisions. And this promise revealed here finally is that it will lead us to a gratifying, follow me now, 
destination. Verse 3. See this vivid vista of what the psalmist is proclaiming. In verse 3, he said, You'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season. Its leaves will not wither, and whatever you do will prosper. So when you choose to make good and godly choices, you stay anchored to the principles and the provisions of God's Word, then here's what the text is saying. There's some good things in store for your life. First, let me suggest this. This is what the text, I believe, is saying. He says there's going to be some stability in your life. A tree planted by the rivers of water. You know, as I was studying this text, I thought about Already the half a dozen times I've flown into Albuquerque. And as you well know, the topography is pretty dry and desolate. But can I tell you down by the Rio Grande, when you come into the city, I'm telling you, there is, there's trees lining that whole river all the way. It's different than the rest of the, of the land. You know why? Because there's a water source there. And the trees are stronger than they are these sagebrushes. And that's the picture here. Here's the stability that can be in your life. You'll be like that tree that's green, that's, that's well watered. Can I tell you, when a person is stable, they're not prone to wild fluctuations of emotions or radical changes. They, they're composed. They have a mental soundness. When they're living their life for God in stability. When they're tethered to the truths of the word of God. But honestly, conversely, it's a sad commentary on a person that we would describe as unstable. They're usually irrational. They're not making good sense. Their decisions are unfounded. And here's what we know. That unstable person is headed for imminent trouble God's word says, look, I want to guard you from that. I want you to be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. I want there to be stability in your life. Oh, I'm telling you, some of you like that chaff. You're just being blown by all the winds that happen to blow by. But if you'll go for God, I'm telling you, he will anchor you. And there will be stability. Secondly, not only should there be stability, but he goes on to say there will be productivity as well. He says, not only is this God-fearing man stable, but he's accomplishing some stuff. He, he, his, his leaf will not wither. What he does will prosper. He's certainly not slothful. He's producing some fruit. In other words, he is accomplishing something worthwhile. And here's the promise of Jesus. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you Unless you abide or remain in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same will bring forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. You see, we can produce some things when we abide in the Lord Jesus Christ. We can make a difference. There can be productivity in our life if we're remaining with Jesus. If we're continuing in our faith walk with him. You know, I wonder, do you feel like you're accomplishing anything for, for the sake of our Savior? Are you doing anything that has eternal consequences? Are you sowing some good seeds as you, as you live your life? Will your legacy be this, that they were a doer of the Word, not a hearer only? Have, they, have you seized the opportunities 
that God places before you in your life? Or are you waffling, conversely, always tottering, back and forth, never stable, and never productive? I remember reading this story that Bob Buford told about a circus where he went to the circus and he said there was a man who rode around in the, uh, under the big, uh, the, the, the big tent there that, that he was riding with one foot on one horse and one foot on the other. And he said it was really remarkable. Those horses just stayed together and this man was able to stand up and ride those horses. But if one of those horses began to go a different direction, this guy, he couldn't stay on the back of those horses. And I will tell you, it's a picture oftentimes of where people live their life. They're riding two horses. They got one foot on the world and they got one foot seeking to live for the Lord. And as long as those two things run side by side, they're okay. But you know as well as me, that is only a few steps because they begin to depart. And you have to make a choice. Am I going God's way or am I going with the world? And when you're undecided, guess what? You're just like that horse rider. Soon you're going to be tumbling down and take a fall until you get both feet on the horse that's going for God. Joshua said, choose you this day who you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. God is saying, I want you to succeed. I want you to prosper But can I tell you how he measures success and how this world measures success are worlds apart. Listen, here's here's the definition that I have for success. It's being the person God wants you to be. Reaching and achieving the goals that he has purposed for you. Will you be successful? Will you be prosperous? You can if you'll go for God. In closing, men, let me ask you a question. This is really the whole essence of this sermon. Are the decisions you're making taking you to the destiny where you want to end up? Ladies, I'm asking you the question today as well. Decisions you're making going to take you to the destination that you eventually want to arrive at? I know this. It's never too late for a new beginning. It's never too late to do the right thing. Be God's man. Be God's woman. Choose the high road. Choose the Lord Jesus Christ. Abide in Him and see if your life is a marked difference than the world. Would you bow your heads with me today? David's making his way to the platform along with the worship team to sing an invitation hymn. And as you know, we've begun to do this since I've come to be the interim here to sing an invitation hymn and to give you an opportunity to respond. Maybe you're here today and God's spoken to your heart about some things that that even need to be solidified by coming publicly and, and praying with someone. And God's calling you to decision. Here's what I know. It's not that walking down an aisle changes anybody inside. Sometimes it just galvanizes and solidifies what the Spirit of God may be saying in your life. And you'll enlist the prayers of others. 
We'll certainly pray with you and talk with you about what God might be saying in your life. I don't know. Maybe God's calling you to ministry. Maybe he's calling you to be a missionary. I don't know what God's doing in everyone's life, but I know this, that we are to call people to decision. I think about Peter who preached at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. He preached that wonderful sermon telling those Jews about the Lord Jesus Christ, that he was the Messiah. And then it says, and with many other words, he compelled them to come. He invited them to come. Jesus said, if you'll confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father who's in heaven. But if you deny me, I'll deny you. And so he's always inviting us to come and stand unashamed for him. Today, if God's spoken to your heart, if there's a decision you need to register, if you'd like prayer, this is your opportunity. Father, we pray now in this sanctified moment as we sing this hymn of invitation, we pray, O Lord, that your Holy Spirit would do what only you can do. And that is bring people to saving faith in Jesus Christ. You point us to our Savior. So it's in His strong name, it's confidence that you're the God who loved us with an everlasting love and demonstrated your love for us on Calvary that we extend this invitation, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. Staff will be here at the front if you'd like to make a decision. Sing this with us today, this hymn of invitation. God's spoken to your heart about a public decision. Come now. While we sing, God calls you. Come. Come right now. The cross upon which Jesus died is a shelter in which we can hide. And it's
had to ask David if I was through. <laughs> he said, God bless you for being here today. I hope you have enjoyed being in church as much as I've enjoyed being here. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Thanks for your own personal faithfulness. And I pray that as we leave today, we'd be reminded once again that there's a blessed life for us if we'll be found faithful. So, Lord, we pray that you bless us as we go. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you for being here.